grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out before us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the very perfecter of our faith. This is God's Word as it is found for us in Hebrews chapter 12. Well, picture for yourself this morning a group of wounded soldiers. They're coming back from the front lines of battle, and you can just tell by looking at them that they have been in the fight of their life. I mean, here's one guy over here who has just lost his eye. Here's another guy over here whose leg is badly wounded. And over here is another guy who is yelling obscenities. Two of his friends are trying to comfort him because his mind has snapped. Again, you can just tell by looking at them that they have been in the fight of their life. But you know, constantly you are told from this pulpit that Jesus loves you, that He forgives you, that He walks by your side as you travel, as you journey through this life. And He desires to give you an eternal peace for all who put their faith and their trust in Jesus. And yet, day in and day out, in many ways, you are the walking wounded today. You know what it's like. You deal with all kinds of things. You deal with sickness. You deal with financial crisis. You deal with family problems. You fill in the blank. Such hardships at times can cause us to wonder if God loves us, if He's really walking by our side as we journey through this life. And above all, we bear the marks of our struggle with sin. For they are on our hearts, and sometimes we can see those marks even on our face. And so it is to you, the walking wounded, that God issues this challenge today in Hebrews chapter 12. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out before us. Now we have to understand that as God's people, many people have already run this race. The faithful who have gone on before us. In the epistle lesson this morning, many of those faithful included people like Abraham and Sarah, people like Moses and David, people like Peter and Paul. And for many of us gathered here this morning, this great cloud of witnesses who have gone on before us, the faithful includes people from our own families. Perhaps your parents or your grandparents or your great-grandparents. People like Doreen and Catherine, people like Blanche, who have gone on before us, who have run this race. You know, in my office, I keep many of the notes of encouragement that people have sent me down through the years. Words of encouragement, but also as I look at their notes, they remind me of their life of faithfulness. Today I want to tell you just about two people. Two people from my last church. A mother and her daughter. Uh, the mother, Adelia Wilson. Probably about 80, 85 when I knew her. And her daughter, Shirley, in her 60s. Two faithful women who despite all of the hardships and difficulties in their life, ran the race, kept their eyes focused on Jesus. 
Shirley was born with spina bifida. She spent her entire lifetime in a wheelchair, but that never stopped her from running the race. They lived in Romulus, just outside of the airport, across, ironically, from the uh, Romulus police station. One night, three crooks, robbers, whatever you want to call them, uh, decided they were going to break into their house and rob them. They came to the door. They smashed the front window. Adelia grabbed a hold of one of their arms and rinked it around while he's trying to grab a hold of the door frame or the door handle. In the meantime, Shirley is in the back bedroom uh, phoning the police. She is confined to her bed. Anyway, they knocked Adelia to the floor, this 85-year-old woman. They came to Shirley's room. And they attempted to go after her, thinking that she was hiding money or whatever. She tried to uh, ward them off by claiming she had AIDS. She didn't have AIDS, but when they came to attack her, Shirley took her bedpan that was full and threw it in their face. At that moment, the uh, siren goes off across the street, and the crooks, not too smart, three of them, decide that they're going to run into the basement and hide. The police come. Of course, they arrest these three guys. They're taking them through the living room when these three crooks are saying to the police, these old women are mean, and we are going to sue them. Well, to make a long story short, it was a number of months later that Shirley and Adelia Wilson were given a, an award from the city of Romulus for bravery. And the city council was filled to the gills, and I was privileged to be invited as the city residents gave these women a standing ovation. But what I will remember most about them is not just this particular episode, but again, their faithfulness and their walk with Christ and their journey. Uh, Shirley would always remind me, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. You know, the writer to the Hebrews goes on to say in verse 1, let us throw off everything that hinders. You know, from personal experience, I don't walk or run as well as I used to. Part of it's my own fault because I drag around too much excess weight. It's hard to lose weight, isn't it? It's also hard to lose sin. Sin weighs us down. You know, there's probably more people in this country today dieting to lose weight rather than exercising self-discipline by the power of the Holy Spirit to lose sin. And think about it. Sin is a terrible hindrance in the race of life that God asks us and calls us to run. And one of the most horrible sins is the lack of prayer and the lack of worship. Claiming to be too busy to talk to God and too busy to worship Him. You know, that old hymn writer, the one my grandmother loved so well, put it so well, can't get it out of my head. How does it go? Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. Why? All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. The lack of prayer 
is not the only hindrance. There are other things. Many things in our life can weigh us down and cause us to lose our focus. And some of those things in and of themselves are not bad. In fact, today's Gospel lesson, I'm glad you gave that explanation because it's often misunderstood. Many things can cause us to lose our focus. Sometimes even people in our own family. Sometimes the things that we own can interfere with our faith walk. Some of us deal with that constant uh, problem that we struggle with called worry. Almost anything can hinder us and distract us from running the race that God has called us to run. So the question is, what are we to do about it? Are we simply to complain about it? Are we simply to say that we are victims of circumstances? No, the writer of Hebrews tells us something very important. He says, look to Jesus. Look to Jesus as you run this race. You see, look at God. Look at Jesus as a wise coach. You know, trials and struggles can cause us to lose our focus. Sometimes, as my grandmother said, we end up having a conniption fit. I don't know where the word conniption is. I think it's German, but I, don't, I know what a conniption is, fit is. But I don't really know the genesis behind that word. If you know what it is, fill me in. You know, trials and struggles in this life can cause us to lose our focus. Jesus himself knew a thing or two about distractions. Throughout his entire ministry, the devil was on the warpath trying to get him to lose his focus. The real reason why he came to the earth in the first place to seek and to save the lost. Some of those distractions, some of those hindrances, even came from his closest disciples. Peter says, Jesus, don't go to Jerusalem, it'll be dangerous for you. Don't you think Jesus knew that? Jesus says to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You don't have in mind the things of God, but rather the things of men. Jesus himself, better than any of us, knows suffering. The suffering that he endured on the cross. And he knew the importance of it all by keeping his eyes fixed on his heavenly Father. Not my will, but your will be done. You know, a lot of times people are sometimes quick to tell us when we go through difficulties. They're quick to tell us that they know what we're going through. That they know what it's like. And maybe they do to a certain extent. But you know, none of them lives in our head. And none of them walks in our shoes. At times I feel like singing that song, nobody, nobody knows what? The trouble I've seen. I can't run. I'm wounded. You know, these are particularly difficult days, as Pastor Don said, that we are living in. We find ourselves living in a world of fear, living in a world of terrorism. We live in a world as witnessed by our presidential elections where there is no civility, where there is no seemingly morals. And you have probably this last week been on the receiving end of some less than kind words and kind actions in your own life. And if we are honest with ourselves, we must also confess that we have been guilty of dishing out some less than kind Christian behavior. Of this we need to repent, regardless of what others do. 
You know, many of the hymn writers address this. They speak about life in this sinful world. The one hymn that I first learned to sing parts on was, uh, I'm but a stranger here. Heaven is my home. The hymn writer describes world, the life in this world as a desert what? A desert drear. Another hymn writer describes life in this world as a place where death has royal scope and room. Our travel to eternal life is a lot like a race. And we need encouragement. We need someone to strengthen us along the way. Picture people running a long distance race, a marathon. There are people along the way passing out water. There are people along the way yelling encouragement. You know, our Lord Jesus Christ, He seeks to encourage us along the way. He encourages us day in and day out through His Word and through His sacraments. Because of Christ and Him alone, we find ourselves today in a new relationship as His forgiven, as His eternal people. But as a loving Father, God disciplines us for our good. He disciplines us so that we might grow in our faith, so that we might bear even more fruit. Our sufferings at times may seem like lightning bolts from the hand of an angry God. But the gentle discipline from a loving Heavenly Father is what we receive. It is more than we can ever begin to imagine. Again, God disciplines us because He loves us. We see His love in the suffering, death, and resurrection of His Son, Jesus Christ. He is the one who stood in our place. He is the one who incurred the wrath that we deserved. God made Him who knew no sin to be sin for us. Who does that? God does. Picture this scene for yourself. It's a summer day. A father is sitting in the front yard watching his children play. All of a sudden, his son darts across the road to see his friend, his neighbor, across the road. But he doesn't look either way as he crosses the road. Immediately, the father is out of his chair like a lightning bolt. And what does he do? He disciplines his son. He sends him to his room for an hour. Despite all of the tears, despite all of the excuses, he explains to the son that he doesn't want him to get hurt. A week later, the son crosses the road again. But this time, he carefully looks both ways before he crosses, and the father smiles because the discipline has worked. No doubt about it, God is concerned about our well-being. Not only in the short term, here and now, today and tomorrow, and this week and next, but He's also concerned about your eternal well-being. Hebrews chapter 12 reminds us in verse 11, and you know this as well as I do, no discipline at the time seems pleasant. But in the end, it produces what? A harvest of righteousness. You see, you are the walking wounded. And it is to you that God says today, strengthen your feeble arms. Strengthen your weak knees. Strengthen your feeble arms. In the Greek, now that means put up 
your drooping hands. It was customary for people in biblical times to pray with their hands held in the air. Paul wrote to Timothy, he said, I want men everywhere to lift up holy hands in prayer without anger or disputing. When the Israelites fought a battle against their enemy, what did the prophet do? The prophet of Moses held up his arms in prayer to God. When his hands fell, they began to lose. So Aaron and Hur held up the prophet's hands. What is God telling us here? God is telling us in these passages the importance of prayer. We cannot run the race without prayer. You've heard me say about my grandmother, Sharon's grandmother. Grandma would say, you're fed up. And the reason you're fed up is because you're not prayed up. How important it is to take it to the Lord in prayer. Picture a runner in a race. You're going to see them this week. When they cross the finish line, often they have their arms in the air as they break the tape, right? Symbolizing a victory. Think about Jesus. On the cross, His arms were lifted up and extended on a cross. What looked to the world as a certain defeat was ultimately the victory of all victories. It is finished. The work of your salvation, I have completed it once and for all. Finally, in the next to last verse, God also tells us, strengthen your weak knees. When was the last time you had weak knees? What he's really saying here is this. When you have weak knees, when you're afraid, at times like this, remember that God is your strength. God, please get me through this. God, carry me. God, lift me up. And God says to you, I will lift you up. Fear not, I am with you always. I will uphold you with my strong right arm. You know, what better way for us to come to the end of our life than to come to it in prayer? I'll never forget ministering to Pastor Borman in his last moments here on this earth. And how did he come to the end of his life here on this earth in prayer. I remember him as I was feeding him, and I remember him praying, I want to see Jesus. Lord, I want to see Jesus. Thank God you have a Savior who cares for you more than you can ever, ever admit. So let us run the race with perseverance. Let us encourage one another all the more as we see the day drawing near. In His name we ask it. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank You again for Your encouraging word to the walking wounded. Lord, be our refuge and be our strength. And help us, Lord, in our walk through this life, help us to be an encouragement uh, to those who are dealing with great difficulties, and even the little things in their life. Help us to encourage them and cheer them on by the power of Your Holy Spirit. Lord, we pray and we ask this in Your name, and all of God's people said, Amen.